I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Eduardo Garcia. He's a chef and an explorer who was charged with 2,400 volts of electricity in the middle of the woods. Eduardo discovered a new mission in life to inspire others to live a life fully charged. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. Thank you so much for joining me today on Death by Design podcast. I recently saw the movie Charged, and I was really interested in knowing you. You came across in the film very genuine and raw, and I cannot get over that smile of yours throughout the horrific tragedy and coincidences and everything that you were going through, but your smile, you always had it on. Talk to me about the day that changed your life. Kimberly, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And um, and thank you for your interest in the story and, of course, via the film Charged. I appreciate that very much. Um, and to anyone listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's the, the, the event that nearly took my life is so bizarre that it's um, sometimes it's kind of, uh, it's challenging to even know how to lead into it because it's, uh, you know, how, how do you lead into, um, you know, become like being electrocuted by 2,400 volts in the middle of the mountains of Montana? Um, and then you throw in sort of the side note that there is a bear involved and people kind of just can't focus on anything other than what, how did that happen? And, and, um, and yet it's interesting because it's, when it comes to the film charged, it's, it's almost one of the smallest parts, right? Sometimes the spark as in, as, as dynamic and, and how much impact a spark can have, it's the fire that ensues that, um, that is usually what's talked about, um, and in this case, it's the same. You know, I, I was I was out hiking. I was out um, walking in the woods in Montana, um, and I uh, came across sort of a, a pile of black fur that caught my eye. And being an outdoor outdoorsman for my whole life, uh, it's not uncommon to pick up feathers or leaves or just to take note of the natural world. And when you see something, you you investigate. And um, you know, I investigated and saw a claw, and I thought, oh, that'd be neat little item to, article to take home you know, for your curiosity case or whatnot. And, and I just simply pulled a knife out of my, you know, my, my knife, knife pocket, my hip pocket and went to pop a claw off. And little did I know that there, there happened to be 2,500 volts of live power in the ground in that, in that location. And that the bear had actually died on top of, um, you know, sort of a, a point where this power was exposed and unprotected. And, um, and I received an arc of, you know, arc of electricity into the knife that then, you know, went raced through my body. Um, not, not what you plan for. It's not one of the things that you imagine will ever happen. Mm. I, I mean, when did you realize that the journey back to yourself was going to be a long process? I mean, mm -hmm. cause you were in the woods. Um, I mean, how did you even get out of the woods? I mean, that's, in the film, it was really well done, um, but I know that no one was there with you when that happened. Right. Um, so when did, how, do you know how long you were out? Because it, it knocked you out, or did you come back uh, really quickly? Yeah, good good questions. Um, 
the, the to the first question, I, I've done. I was alone, and and I've ran sort of a, you know, a general timeline on. Okay, I remember leaving my truck at this time, and then authorities tell me that the nine one one call was this time, and so I think I was out, if you will, for maybe better part of thirty minutes, and um, you, you know, I, I think, I, and then I'm, I think the the film shares some of it, but um, I did. This is sort of the miracle of the power of the human spirit that I, I don't really recall beyond sort of get you know opening my eyes and realizing that you know if you've ever sort of woken up in the days or been had the wind knocked out of you, there's a moment where you're kind of in between consciousness or subconscious mind. And I think that was more of a dream state where I just didn't know if I was dreaming or sleeping, had really didn't know where I was, but I was walking, and so somehow I had gotten up and started walking for help. And, and then at some point in the walk out, um, you know, again, I'm in the woods. So at some point walking out of the woods and down to, I guess, intuitively, um, I had headed towards houses, my truck help. And, uh, and sometime along that journey, I, I pieced together why I was there, what I had been doing earlier. And then, and then when that all came together, I made the, I kind of connected the dots and made sort of an aha moment kind of decision of oh okay you know I, that noise I felt the heat I felt that bear the you know the claw that I was uh, my knife and somehow pieced it together like oh my gosh I think I was just electrocuted and I'm walking to mm. save my life and then at that point it was I took and then at that point I looked and I'm, I actually like looked you know I put my chin down and looked at my body and noticed that my left hand was completely burnt and charred and gripped gripped into a sort of a claw shape and held tight to my body i mean prior to that i was just you know like i don't even you know, my eyes were looking out i was walking i didn't even look and see that i had been injured and so once i saw those injuries i, I just then i knew i'm walking i'm gravely injured i can't stop walking i need to stop i need to keep walking and i just chanted that to myself don't stop walking oh wow oh my gosh um I I have no words. Um, it's a miracle that that you found your way out of that, and you you were meant to to live. But this was just the beginning. Um, and in the film, charge you you when you get to the hospital, you see some of the wounds on your head, in your leg, your chest. I mean, you you when you say gravely injured, you you were moments away from death. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, wow. And so when did you start thinking that, hey, let's film this? Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And to, to your point, I, the, the surgeon, um, I'll never forget, but sort of the quote of the quote of the day in that ICU must have been. Um, and the surgeon on call said that I was a bag of bones with a heartbeat when I was um, brought into the ICU. Um, and um, and then to the, to the film and how that came about is really to give a lot of credit to Jenny Jane, who um, was my ex-girlfriend at the time, um, but still friend and business partner. And she had actually, um, she had actually flown home to England, uh, where she's from, about a week prior to my injury. And of course, received a call from my family and flew right back over to Salt Lake City um, and became my primary caregiver. And Jen and I had for a couple of years been planning and filming and creating a pilot for an outdoor cooking show 
and we're five days, five to six days from selling that show, really, um, to the Food Network. I mean, we were in meetings with them. We had already been in the room with them. We'd already kind of drawn up a soft contract. And, um, and so, uh, you know, unfortunately, the contract fell to the side with my injury, as you can imagine. But, sure. but Jenny, you know, we had a camera. She, she thought on, on, you know, she, she, I think she had the original thought of, we just have to document this. I mean, we were documenting this guy's life as a chef anyway. We need to keep documenting this. Something good can come from this. Perhaps we can help someone with this tragedy if he survives. So we just have to film it. And then she was supported by um, a production company that we were contracted with for the, the show. And, and they sent us some gear and came to visit. And then, of course, the director of the film charged who was my good friend, and this is interesting, and I hope I'm not losing anybody, but the, the pilot cooking show that Jen and I had been working on, we had hired a guy named Philip Baraboo to shoot, edit, and produce that reel for television. And Philip remained a good friend, and, um, and Philip actually stayed in touch with us during my injury. And um, when I came home, to Montana after I was discharged from the ICU and had survived, he showed up at my doorstep and started filming on his own pro bono just to continue to help capture what Jen was doing because he agreed with Jen. Like we got to do, we got to do this. We got to catch these moments. And it's incredible how this guy's recovering. And, and then of course, Phil became the director of the film charge, which we're talking about. So kind of came full circle. Yeah. And I mean, so Jen does play a major role, and uh, it what a beautiful human being she is. Oh I have gosh. to say, yeah. um, I mean, I fell in love with her too. I mean, it, the the friendship um, that you share, um, I know you know how rare that is um, because you can see it um, and you can hear it in the film charge. But wow, I mean, that's all I can say, Jen equals wow because what um what she did for you was just amazing so let's talk to a little bit about uh jen for a minute since we brought her up um ex-girlfriend you were a chef on a yacht a private yacht um y'all met um you know dated and here she is an ex-girlfriend sitting by your hospital bed and the chemistry is there the nurses are thinking y'all are dating and you're not <laughs> right, and right. I mean, what? who is Jen to you? Jen, <laughs> you know, we have different muses in our life and different, uh, we come across different people for different reasons. But Jen remains uh, a very, very dear friend. Um, I mean, I just don't know how you could be in the trenches like that with anybody. And, you know, Jen is, Jen is still a, a business partner of mine and our company. Uh, we have a, a food brand that we run called Montana Max. And, um, you know, and then, you know, friend, friend and business partner aside, um, you know, Jen is a constant source of inspiration. I mean, uh, to be fair, you know, with we're talking about charge and we're talking about me, but there are, aren't there not peoples that are in your life that are inspirations. And, and, you know, and she is definitely one of them for me. She works hard, plays hard, has a incredible code of ethics and morals and, um, just has a high, high interest in being an exceptional human being. And, you know, in all honesty, I think that's, that's, you know, those are the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's uh, that's who she is to me. She's an inspiration and a dear friend and um, a person worth knowing. And a comedian. And you know what? And a comedian, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with my background in Saturday Night Live, you know, when I saw here, she wanted her desire was to be a stand up comedian. It just sort of connected with me as well, because, you know, I was sort of was raised by some people um, at SNL and, and how to create a joke and comedy mm-hmm. and live television shows. So um, how's she doing with her comedy show? Yeah, you know, I would encourage. So we're still working together in production. Uh, we have uh, we finally did sell that food show concept. It's coming out. Um, this year, 2018, by a, a really? com- yeah, by a company out of Austin, Texas called Yeti Coolers. Um, and the show's name is uh, Hungry Life. Um, and so the, we're still working together in production. But Jen, anyone listening wants, go to JennyOfTheJane.com. And that, that you can kind of find a collection of what Jen's up to. And um, I think she has a couple short films and skits that uh, she's filmed and produced and She's just, uh, she's a creative. She's continuing to write screenplays yeah. and develop films. And um, and I think stand-up is something that she continues to want to work towards and continues to put time into. Hmm. Well, and I would encourage people to go to her website and le- learn about her because if you see the movie Charged, her presence is probably in every frame, even if it's not. Um, what what a great friend she was to you, but man, it it was, it it was, you know, the caregivers that surround a person who is injured or ill or sick, you know, they don't get a lot of credit or a lot of voice. Um, but I tell you, you really were lucky to have the caregivers that you have, Jen being one of them, your family, family route or, you know, rallied around you. Um, it's, it's, those caregivers are often forgotten about. Yeah, that's right. That's right, and I'm grateful to I'm grateful to mention them when you know here and as often as I can. We definitely can't do this alone. That's for sure. We we do need we need as much um, help as we can get, especially in our moments, um, you know, in our trying times. Um, but but at the same time, though, I you know I, I just want to add that you can you can have all the support in the world, but if, if you're not willing to run the race, there's no one that can run it for you. So it's a definitely a team teamwork thing. Oh wow, that's a great that's that's a great point. Um and, and that brings me to the you know another question is like you you are smiling throughout the film a lot. I mean, you have a mil- million dollar smile. Um and my thing is did you did you ever cry or or did you ever be like what did you want to give up at any point or was it not an option? Um never an option. Um in regards to giving up. Um Man, I, I think that's something we learn how to do, but it's definitely not something that we're born knowing how to do. And um, so instinctually, uh, we're not really programmed to give up. Um, but uh, there were definitely moments where I cried and mourned the loss of my hand and the life that was and um, was scared about, you know, how, what, what my new life moving forward would be. Um, that that's just part of the process and that did happen. And I can calmly speak about it with you now, (laughs) you know, like years later I can kind of be philosophical about the whole thing, but you better, you better believe that in the moment uh, when it was happening, I was scared rigid, you know? And and then again, you know, was it not for the team around me? 
and, and then of course, you know, I, I, you know, I also had to work, move with them, you know, then I felt, I felt collectively held and I felt collectively cared for and thought, all right, well, this may be crazy, but like my twin brother at one point said, he's actually, he said, he says it's just great advice that he has to reiterate to me every time. But when, whenever something really challenging seems to kind of drop into my lap, he, he kind of just reminds me, he's like, Hey, this too shall pass, you know, just give it six days, six weeks, six months, you know, this will pass and you'll look back and you'll reflect on this. But just in the moment, you just need to keep going. Well, not only did you lose your hand, you use your hands in your profession uh, as a chef. Um, and, and I have to admit, you know, I come from a, a chef family. Uh, my cousin worked for the Food Network and uh, it, it always is cooking and flavoring and the way she uses her hands. So not only were you devastated to lose any limb, it also was possibly the end of your chefing career. It could have been. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. I, uh, that's true. Um, and I was, you know, I had just wrapped 10 years of working as a private chef and um, when I say wrapped, I mean, I, I, I could have for many reasons, I could have in, in many, from, from, from any way I look at it, I could have stayed in the private yeah, chef world. And I mean, I, I was really just kind of at the top of my game for lack of a better way to say it. Um, you know, I had really established that career and, and yet I had just literally months before stepped completely out of that into developing this you know, proposed national food brand, um, Montana Mex. And then also, I'm going to do this cooking show. We're going to call it, you know, Active Ingredient was the title at the time. So I had just 180 to everything. I just went from having a secure, great job to really working for myself and having nothing coming in. Um, so the doubts of how how am I going to survive, how, you know, I mean, obviously it was, it was immense, um, the doubt for sure. Well, there's a point in the movie where you're sharpening your knives. Um, you see the wounds because you're shirtless and you have your, mm-hmm. you know, right outside in your, I, I guess, what do you call it? A bungalow in the woods um, in Montana, this cabin yeah. of yours, this rustic cabin. And you're, you're talking about, you know, you're going on your catering job and you haven't worn a chef jacket in a couple of years. And, it, it you really are good in front of the camera because I I felt like I was you, um, and I was nervous for you. And I'd be nervous for you too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love that. But um, but what you go to this? I think it was in Texas or or New Mexico, and you cater this gig, and and it was your birthday. And I will never forget um, seeing you sit there and people singing you happy birthday. And I think it, after the event was over, you sort of were like, man, I, I can't continue to be this chef. Um, and it was just amazing to see the evolution um, in your eyes of, of knowing that this was not over for you. And now you have a, t- a television show coming out on the Food Network um, and you're going to be just famous. <laughs> um, well, th- thanks, and it, it's it's actually coming. It's coming out by Yeti Coolers, not on the Food Network. Oh, it is the um, Yeti just, Coolers. I don't want to misdirect anybody. No, 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 yeah. no. Um, but 
Yeah, it's um, you don't give up on your dreams. And again, it's easy to just kind of throw that out there. Don't give up on your dreams. Right. Uh, six years later, but six years later is six years of, you know, can't, you know, so the show concept, just to define it, was built on the premise that as a professional chef, and then, of course, as an outdoor enthusiast, I would go fishing or hunting or hiking or adventuring or surfing or traveling. And anytime I was outside, I would um, really be inspired to cook while in the outdoors. So rather, you know, I would go eat at restaurants and things like that. But my my real my real MO, my real passion, my real fire was, OK, if I'm in Costa Rica or if I'm, you know, over in Europe or wherever I may be, domestic U.S., how can we make breakfast outside while we're there having fun rather than running back to the kitchen at home mm. or running back to our Airbnb or going to get reservations at a restaurant? Like how can we extend our exposure in mother nature via just staying here for our meal? And, um, you know, so the doubt was really firmly, firmly founded really. I mean, the, you know, one handed going back into things, I just, a few things happened. I mean, I, I had never had exposure in my life to other amputees. So if you've never really seen anyone else do it, how do you, you know, you may have all the confidence in the world, but it's, it's not earned confidence, mm -hmm. right? You're just at the beginning of learned confidence. You need to learn to be confident. You need to learn about it. Um, and, and so now, you know, six years later, I've worked with groups like the challenged athletes foundation out of San Diego. And I've had through that NGO, I've had access to, really interact with people with all sorts of disabilities and, and really recognize and understand, like, I am not alone in this sort of reconstruction of self. People do it every day all over the world. And there's, there's other folks being well beyond me who are equal inspirations. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, it's kind of hard to sit back and feel sorry for yourself when you're looking at the world around you and other shining examples of resiliency and, and seeing other people crush it because quite honestly, at the end of the day, it's, I mean, all I want to do is get back out to my life and, you know, kind of make sure I don't miss happy hour on a Saturday. You just <laughs> want to get back to your thing. You know, right. You want to get back to things. And so if you see someone else doing it, I mean, our human nature is to kind of copy and mimic and, and make it our own. And, and so um, kind of not giving up was sort of primary to keeping your eyes set forward on the horizon so that you can see those examples and then, you know, go try it out, go, go, go do your best. Well, the one thing that, that is really interesting and, and probably devastating at the time for you was throughout this injury, um, you were on your way to recover and suddenly you were dealing with the big C cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, what, I mean, were you just sitting there like, okay, just give it to me. Um, anything else going to go wrong right now? Um, but do you think that this injury caught this cancer earlier enough um, and that you probably would not have known about that? Yeah, uh, the big C. I give the big C the big middle finger. That sucked. <laughs> that was so hard. That was. I, uh, Jen actually reminds me often. She says, uh, she's like, you know what? It's okay to sh tell people that things are hard. It's okay to show um, some sensitivities to challenge. And, and when, you know, you don't, you know, you're so optimistic, Ed, that you kind of put on this, you end up with this image that, oh, it was no big deal. It was just cancer, just to be fair. And for the record, it was incredibly challenging physically and emotionally. And, 
and, and, and, and does nearly crush the individual. I can attest to that. Um, but, uh, you know, I do, we caught it while it was in its second stage and uh, testicular cancer, which is still sort of in that zone for young males, especially given my age, I was 30 at the time that if you're going to catch it, that's when you want to catch it in its first or second stage. And, um, you know, you're right. I, I may not have caught the cancer at such an early stage had I not, um, you know, had an injury that sort of led doctors to find, you know, all these tissue samples were coming out of my body because I was, you know, being basically worked on. And, um, and, and, and through one of those samples is how the cancer was found. So, um, yeah, I'm grateful. I mean, there's a little silver lining in that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really big. Um, so we, we met your dad in the film and, you know, I learned recently, um, we learned a little bit about your relationship in the film, but I was so sad to hear that he recently passed away and, and how are you doing? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for asking. Um, and indeed he passed just a couple months ago and, um, you know, I think there's times where I'm still crying buckets of tears and then, um, you know, I'd say that I am, again, I'm going to kind of highlight the importance of community and the importance of togetherness and support. Um, I feel like if I'm missing him, I can call a brother or sister or mom or talk to a dear friend that also knew him well and somehow and sharing my love and uh, the way I miss him with others we get to share that for a moment, but then it almost always reverts into a smile or a laugh or a chuckle or a sort of um, a whistle. Yeah. Like a, like an elevated moment via remembering what a great person he was. And, um, you know, so I, I think I'm finding that that that's taking that, that's, that's winning every time. So although it still hurts and it most likely will always, um, it better. Um, you know, I'm, I, I just, I guess that guy left me with a lot of good mojo and, um, you know, my twin brother also said it, he's such a wise cat, my twin. He's, uh, <laughs> I always say like, gosh, he's got it. He, uh, he really was given some gifts that I learned from all the time, but he, um, he just said, you know what, man, I think, I think I got to make some changes in 2018 and, um, I just want to honor dad and I, and I, I want to be the best person I can cause that's who he would have wanted me to be. And, I'm going to quit dragging my feet on X, Y, and Z. Like, uh, oh, wow. yeah. So in his wow. death, we feel, you know, we feel motivated and uh, inspired to almost live for him. He's no longer here in the physical. So, um, you know, we get to um, take him with us. Um, and so we better be doing our best work. Otherwise, I feel like we're sort of dragging him along with us and not, not putting a good face on him and his work. Are you surprised uh, about how well this movie charged is is becoming? I mean, are you are you surprised that people are having this response to this movie? Um, I'm not surprised. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, and I, I hope that's taken in the, the the way it's intended. It's not. I'm not a braggadocio person, but um, we, you know, we worked. Gosh, we worked tirelessly on, we, we spoke about this film for two years before I finally sort of sucked up my, um, you know, my, gosh, just, you know, confidence and acquiesced to everyone around me, Jenny, Phil, 
another friend who's a producer on the film, uh, my agent at the time, because I was represented by uh, William Morris, and just and everyone was saying, "You got to tell the story. You got to tell the story. It's so worth sharing." And all I wanted to do was hide from sharing anything about this experience because it was I felt very vulnerable and exposed and had really just was doing my best to just find confidence anyway on my own um, not to mention publicizing it but when I when I did finally commit um, you know I had I, I, I had an, an aha moment and I thought okay I get it like sharing this story is the potential for a story like this and the, the small victories that I'm having in my recovery to potentially inspire others who are going through similar hardships. And in that is a global win. That's it, that everybody will win. So I need to do this because I'm going to win. It's going to help me get through this process and recover more completely. It'll help others. And so as soon as I, you know how it is, right? You know, like you can, you can be pulled and pushed and coerced and all kinds of things. But the moment that you, the individual says, like, I know why I'm going to do this it's a game changer. That's when, that's when things really happen, right? When, when the person in, in the driver's seat gets passionate about it. And so knowing all of that, we had a team, you know, and an award-winning team, you know, the Philip Barabu, the director of the film had just wrapped a film called Unbranded. And, uh, I watched him as a buddy. I watched him go through that process and, you know, was at one of the festivals where it was just winning award after award. And so I knew we had a good technical team and, I knew that after two years of dragging my feet and talking about it, I knew they knew what my message was, and you know what what my intended message was. And then Jenny and I both that Jenny actually got kicked off the production team. She was going to be a producer, and they they realized that this was not just a survival story; this was a love story, and that Jen Jen would serve a far more significant role and, and, and yield more value to the film if she was actually not producing it, but rather was a subject. And so Jenny and I both just kind of said, okay, we trust. And and then they made the film and we never made a single edit. You know, we, we saw it. Are you serious? Never, no, we never made an edit. I think the, the first assembly, so the assembly is the organized footage that the team agrees is sort of great, like A-grade images or A-grade, um, you know, uh, video and out of 380 plus hours and Phil could speak to this more but out of 380 plus hours that Phil's team I think assembled eight to nine hours of footage and then out of that I didn't see a cut until it was at about two and a half hours so um, you know so the, the product you know I guess your question I ramble on but the, the, the question was are you surprised that it was it was good or as impactful as it's been or and I, um, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I think we, we left ourselves very, Jenny and I both just opened the door. We opened the door. My family opened the door. Jen's family opened the door. It seemed like everywhere we turned, everyone that, w you know, we proposed to interview or, or speak to, once they understood why we wanted to do this project, they, everyone, you know, there was just like carte blanche, like, yes, what do you need to know? How can we share it? You know, how can we help this happen? And, um, yeah, I think right reason, right motive, right cause. Then you kind of you kind of just really can believe that the end result will be good. Um, yeah, and it was. And I've actually seen it several times um, prepping because we're going to talk to the director um, next week, Phil, um, about his experience and what he learned and and as he filmed this um, as well. Um, 
during this whole experience. But, you know, where can people find this movie, Charged? So right now, um, Charged is available on Amazon, on iTunes. I know that Hulu just picked it up. And um, I, I would say there's dozens of other smaller niche online hubs where people go to get their videos and find movies. Um, I think about the only platform it's not available on is Netflix, which I'm sure will happen sometime down the line. So if anyone just types in charged documentary or charged film, uh, it'll most likely pop up everywhere for download or buy. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I really encourage uh, you to get get ready to have, you know, two hours of your life really inspired by what you went through, the caregivers around you, how it was filmed, the music, the the beauty of Montana, mm-hmm. um, and everything about the film was just inspiring. Um, we, we do know what's next for you. You're going to have a cooking show on uh, Yeti coolers, right? Yep. And that's going to happen sometime in the year 2018. And so that is, is something that you're working on. Um, any other projects that, that you're working on that, that are interesting? Yeah, um, very much so. I guess the the, the core baby of them all was uh, is Montana Max. And um, I think it's worth noting because although you could define us as a food brand, um, I think more than that, we are... Uh, we're a company that really uh, just exists to make mealtime a funner, uh, more enjoyable, tasty experience for others. And, you know, of course, um, well, I say of course, but maybe it's not so obvious, but my intentions as I was a private chef for 10 years. So if you could take the love, care and attention that, you know, a private chef, someone involved with the most intimate part of you know, a family's day-to-day eating and life, you know, is feeding a family, you know, kids to the grandparents, to everyone in the middle. Um, I took that same love and care and attention and understanding that, um, you know, we should really only be eating whole foods that are, that are free of a lot of the just additives that are put in a lot of manufactured foods today. And, and then we bottled it and packaged it up in seven different products. So, um, yeah, I would encourage folks to just go take a look at MontanaMex.com and read a little bit about our story and why we're out there and where we're trying to make a difference, um, you know, with charity and giving back and just trying to make mealtime a fun, tasty experience for people. So I could go on MontanaMex and order some of your guacamole? <laughs> yeah, you can. For the most part, you can go to MontanaMex.com and... Um, and then pick up, you know, our jalapeno seasoning and our avocado oil. And those, to anyone listening, those are the secret ingredients to my guacamole, which is up as a recipe or will be uh, on our website. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I, I am going to order some because it looked really good as you guys were in the film prepping some of this on the <laughs> ground um, floor. Where Where is this company at? I mean, do you guys have employees now, uh, you know, yeah. making this stuff? And, and Okay. Yeah, so no, we, we've, like- we've grown up a little bit. Um, we, like a lot of scrappy startups, you know, our company is sort of spread with our management around the country and our manufacturing and distribution and, you know, between uh, California and Texas. But the business is, is sort of the heart and soul and spirit of the business is run out of Montana. Um, thus the name, you know, um, just like I feel like, I, you know, being from Montana, um, my roots uh, are very uh, earth and nature oriented. And even in my cooking, I tend to leave it pretty simple, but let the flavor jump for itself and jump out at mm. people. And so the food is just a representation of that same just kind of 
healthy and vibrant and sort of uncomplicated lifestyle. Oh, wow. Well, I'm definitely going to visit that website. But I can't tell you how much I appreciate. I know you're a busy guy doing all this work on uh, your new show and with Montana Mix. Um, but you you're, you took time out to be on our podcast. And I can't tell you what it's like to talk to you after seeing this movie Charged. What an inspiration you've been to me. Um, and and I, I really appreciate your time. Hey, Kimberly, thank you. Thank you. I mean, um, I, you know, if you, you know, if, if you speak in a forest and no one's listening, did you speak at all? Kind of a, a you know, kind of a saying. And, and for me, I'm just so grateful for the other storytellers that have come across, including yourself and the platform you built and, and all of your listeners for um, just opening their hearts up and being a part of this conversation with us. And, um, you know, I guess a takeaway for me is that it's, uh, you know, I, I think we get hung up, um, we get, we get hung up really trying to label the experience. Um, and for me, um, I think it's just time to embrace the experience and, and be grateful for the opportunity to feel alive. And that may be pain, that may be sorrow, that may be grief, you know, that may be, you know, my experience with my dad passing, um, but it could be, it could be joy. You know, it could be rapture, could be love, could be any any number of different feelings and emotions, and and we don't know when they're going to come. We don't know when twenty four hundred volts is going to come crashing down, and, and we don't know when the world's best kiss is going to get planted on you and you fall in love. Like you just don't know when these things happen, but they're going to happen, and and so outside of the circumstance, it, it really is just a beautiful world out out there. I mean, we have this opportunity to live here. So for me, it's I think we need to just start taking both the positive and the negative. And like the film says, get charged. You know, we just need to take whatever that spark is and, uh, and use it to, to go out and make the most. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. And I hope, I hope our paths are going to cross face to face one day. Um, especially as I journey out in this RV and yeah. I'll be in Montana and I'd, I'd love a tour of uh, Montana mix. Uh, so just, uh, Maybe one day we will come across face to face, but I, I think you're. You bet. Stay in touch. Yeah, I think you're an amazing human being, um, and absolutely, I, I feel, I feel this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship, and I just uh, support you, and I'm cheering you on um, with your new projects, and, and thank you for contributing to my project, Death by Design Podcast. Yeah, Kimberly, uh, my total pleasure, and thank you everyone for tuning in. It's uh, the treat. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.